Hello, and welcome to Notes from the Conservatory, a podcast from the Bob Cole Conservatory of Music at California State University, Long Beach. I'm your host, Richard Cooper. This podcast chronicles conversations and interviews with our faculty, students, and guest artists. Today, we have a conversation between our Director of Keyboard Studies, Dr. Shunlin Chu, and the renowned pianist, Vina Topolas. Dr. Chu is a critically acclaimed piano soloist who has performed with over a dozen orchestras, including the Gaia Festival Orchestra in Taiwan and the Bradell Height Symphony in Singapore. Prior to joining the faculty at CSULB, Dr. Chu was an associate professor of piano at Missouri State University. He earned his DMA from the Eastman School of Music after being awarded a graduate fellowship and received a master's in piano pedagogy and performance from the University of Michigan. Dr. Chu has adjudicated for many piano competitions, including the Music Teachers National Association, the Young Artist Piano Festival, and the National Helen Competition. He also gives master classes and lectures at universities around the world. He is currently the chair of honors auditions for the California Association of Professional Music Teachers. Born in Greece, Vina Topolos attended the Athens Conservatory and continued her studies at Juilliard, where she graduated with honors. In 1979, she won the Gina Bauscher International Competition for Distinguished Young Pianist, which started her international career. She has since performed with the Philadelphia, St. Louis, and Dallas orchestras and given recitals around the world, including at Lincoln Center, the Ambassador Auditorium in Los Angeles, and the National Gallery in Washington. She is a Fulbright Scholar and was the recipient of the Rockefeller Fund for Music. In 2001, she was elected the first professor of piano performance in Greece and was appointed to the Department of Music, Science, and Arts at the University of Macedonia. In 2009, she was an artist-in-residence at the Beethoven Institute in Vienna, and she frequently serves as a jurist for several international piano competitions. And now, here is Dr. Shunlin Chu and Vina Topolas. Hi, this is Shunlin Chu. I'm the director of keyboard studies at uh, the Bob Cole Conservatory of Music at California State University, Long Beach. And with me here is the renowned Greek pianist, Vinia Tsopelas, who's just performed a magnificent recital last night at the Daniel Recital Hall as part of her American concert tour. Uh, good morning, Ms. Tsopelas. Good morning. I am so pleased to be here. I'm so honored to have you. Thank you. I've just learned so much from you and your extraordinarily successful concert career, having performed worldwide under uh, Columbia management. Also, the success of your students at international competitions, being in faculty positions in major universities, uh, successful careers. And we're so honored that you would come to our campus and share your artistry with us. Thank you. The honor is all mine, Thank you. Me. You are a professor uh, currently at the University of Macedonia in... Uh, Thessaloniki. Thessaloniki. Uh, could you say that again? Uh, all right. Thessal it's either Thessaloniki or Salonika. Thessaloniki is the ancient Greek name. Thessaloniki was, tradition has it, or mythology, that she was the sister of Alexander the Great. Uh, it's up in the north, in Macedonia. Macedonia, and she was the patroness of the city of Thessaloniki, as Athena, Athens, where I come from, the patroness was the goddess Athena, Athena. 
But later on, you know, after Byzantium, it was called Saloniki. It was one of the great cultural centers of traditions. There were all sorts of communities of different people, like Jewish, the Sephardic Jewish community, very large, Armenian community, Muslim community from Turkey, but all these, unfortunately, died out with the Second World War. They were wiped out, I should say. But anyway, now it goes back to being a very stimulating center and a wonderful city to visit. And yes, I have been there. I was elected in 2001 to be the first professor of piano performance in uh, that university, which was not a music university. It was freshly organized into a music department called Music uh, Science and Art. And uh, I still am professor there. I am having students, piano students, that I try to nurture them and uh, help them go out in the world. Mm -hmm. And now it is one of the, the top music schools in, in Greece. Oh, it is the top music it is school, the top. yes, absolutely. In, in performance, yes, yes. Especially in piano, yes. Wonderful. So, you, you are on this whirlwind tour. I just have come in from New York. And uh, the concert last night, uh, what a memorable event. Thank you so much. Uh, coming all these compliments from you, a renowned pedagogue, musician, pianist, uh, is a great honor. And uh, I'm very honored to be here because uh, I got a feeling of this wonderful environment at Bob Cole School of Music from uh, two days ago when I did the master class. And uh, we did it in your studio, and there were about 30 students who attended with the utmost attention to whatever we were saying. And uh, I got the feeling that this is a family affair, really, in the school. But at the same time, the attention and the care is uh, very precious on the part of the professors, and of course, especially you. So uh, I was very moved when I started performing last night because first of all I was really impressed by the wonderful maintenance of the hall and of the instruments. I mean you have three extraordinary instruments, Grand D, Steinway pianos that one has to choose and the artists that you invite to perform are very lucky and the huge stage and I felt that the acoustics and with the help of a wonderful instrument and the attention of the audience, which I felt that everybody was there with me. Usually hear people cough or move in and out. But there was silence, complete silence. So uh, it helped very much to inspire me and uh, intensify my concentration. I was very, very uh, moved and happy. And again, I would like to thank you very much because you had the kindness to uh, invite me in between the different uh, cities that I'm visiting. As you said on my tour, starting from Athens, Greece. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much for the kind words. And indeed, our students are so fortunate to have the experience to not only work with you in, in the master class, but uh, to be inspired uh, by your artistry. Thank and you so and much. the music was special too. I understand this uh, music is being heard for the first time in, in California and is very close to your heart. 
Indeed, uh, yesterday the title of the concert was Scenes from the Mediterranean, and I chose two pieces by a Greek composer, one by Greek composer Manos Hazidakis, and the second piece by Manuel de Falla, a famous Spanish composer. And uh, the reason I did this was that the Manos Hajidakis piece is a Californian premiere, actually. Uh, yesterday, I performed it for the first time. Uh, it's not like everyday people listen to this music, because Manos Hajidakis, as I explained yesterday, uh, is uh, very famous because he won an Oscar many, many years back, uh, writing the music for Never on Sunday starring Melina Mercuri, but he left a few pieces for piano, which he wrote. The score is rather simple when you first open it. I really rearranged it and did a lot of embellishments, as I explained yesterday, in order to take advantage of the piano being the greatest instrument yes. of all time <laughs> that encompasses the possibility, if somebody knows how to deal with it, of, of all the instruments in the orchestra. So the audience yesterday received it very well, that it was based on six melodies, uh, folk song melodies, that are very, were very popular and uh, still are, uh, and uh, arranged, as I said, for the piano to make it sound like a classical work, but at the same time with lots of folklore elements and being able to hear through the music the different instrumentations that I would like to bring out, like the buzuki and other string instruments. Baglamas, these are string instruments that are very Greek, you know. And then the Defalia piece, El Amor Brujo, again is very rarely performed in its entirety because Defalia wrote it as an opera and then as a ballet. But he also did a smaller version, I wouldn't say smaller, but more concise version uh, for piano. But because it is very dramatic, it unfolds the story dramatically on the piano, and it's very taxing in many ways, both with interpretation and technique. Uh, people don't perform it, or they don't like to, to deal with uh, turning out the piano as uh, an operatic stage, because that's what I tried to do. So the only pianist who played it was Alicia de la Rocha years ago. And, and then again, she performed it rather rarely. So when I first heard it, I was very inspired. This music speaks to my heart very much. And then I worked at it uh, a lot and I included it in my repertoire. So uh, yesterday, there were two pieces that are rarely heard or not heard at yes. all. And there are reasons for not playing it because they're not part of the, let's say, the standard piano repertoire. Uh, as a matter of fact, I never teach my students the, the work of Hasidakis because I think it's very personal and you can't teach it uh, unless somebody comes to me and says, you know, I really feel this music very much. Would you tell me what to do? I, I would say so, but it's not taught. Uh, it's like uh, soul music. You can't tell someone how to feel. <laughs> you either feel it or you don't feel it. Yes. That's fascinating. <laughs> and uh, we'll come back to your concert tour later on, but your background, your journey in music, if you will, is such a story that uh, I, I was very captivated when we had an earlier conversation. How, how is it that you have an American citizenship being a, a Greek pianist? 
When uh, I came to study at Juilliard, I was on a Fulbright scholarship, and this, of course, was a great honor, etc. But at some point, uh, somebody who has a Fulbright has to return back to his country for a certain amount of years, and then, if they like, they return to the States. But uh, for me, it was rather impossible because it would break completely the continuation of both my studies and my concertizing. So uh, through a lot of, of research and governmental work, I had gathered the love and support and, if I may say so, uh, admiration of very famous colleagues who had heard me and I had collaborated with them uh, in chamber music, etc., who provided me with fantastic recommendation letters. And there is what is called immigration law third preference. Uh, this is for artists and scientists of extraordinary reputation and quality that would like to remain in this country, in the United States, and uh, offer their services. So after having reviewed my studies, my life, my musical activities, and with a testimony of about 15 or to 20 major personalities in the music field, I was uh, very honored to be granted the American citizenship, which I treasure, and of course I'm very proud to have it this way. Not that I wouldn't be proud to have it any other way, <laughs> but this adds a very uh, special touch to it because it's not done every day. And uh, if I may say, this somehow brought about also a resolution which was given to me by the Senate of California in Sacramento because uh, through my different connections that I happened to cultivate in the Greek-American community and not only in Sacramento, I was invited many times to return there and uh, there was an orchestra in the 80s, late 80s, which unfortunately doesn't exist anymore. So of course the Sacramento University of California in Sacramento, I had taught many times and given master classes and recitals like I did yesterday. And at the time, a very famous and well-loved senator, Senator uh, Nicholas Petris, initiated that the Senate of California in Sacramento would pass a resolution to honor my contributions to the state and it was unanimously accepted. And I have this hanging next to my piano on the wall. <laughs> That's extraordinary. <laughs> yes. Yes. So coming back to California is sort of a homecoming in a way. Uh, not just Sacramento, you've performed in San Francisco. You've and Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Ambassador's Auditorium. Right, and in its heyday, that was uh, the yes. place, indeed. I wonder if you could tell us about uh, your f former teachers. It reads like a who's who list of the most important pedagogues of the century. Uh, Nadia Boulanger, Adele Marcus, Nadia Reisenberg, Gina Bachauer, and so on. Uh, it would uh, take us much time to go into a lot of details, but if you could highlight who these important uh, teachers have done for you and what uh, their teachings were like. Well, thank you for giving me this opportunity to talk about my teachers. I was very fortunate because when I started piano in Athens, my teacher then was a student of Arthur Schnabel. 
Then, when I went to Paris, Yvon Lefebvre was a very renowned, extraordinary French pianist who won her first prize at the Paris Conservatoire at age 13 and was the student of Alfred Cortot and she had studied with Ravel, if you can imagine. <laughs> she was indeed another monumental teacher because she was carrying the French school. So I started with the Schnabel, the, the German, let's say, school of pianism, piano playing. Then I moved to the French school. And then when I came to the States, I came to study at Juilliard with Ilona Kabosch, who was a Hungarian, and she had the Liszt tradition, and she was also the wife of Louis Kentner, a very famous pianist who was a student of Bela Bartok. So I moved into the Eastern tradition, uh, Eastern European tradition. Then I fell upon Guido Agosti, because unfortunately Ilona Kabosch passed away after a year that I had already been in Juilliard. And uh, he was the tradition of the Italian school. He had worked with Busoni, can you imagine? So that was another aspect of uh, pianism and personality, you know, that you can see very often when uh, Michelangeli, Arturo Benedetti Michelangeli is playing, rather cold and elegant and trying to be absolutely perfect with everything. Of course, I went to Adele Marcus. I should mention her as well because she was uh, number one name in Juilliard at the time. She had studied with uh, Rosina Levine and Joseph Levine. So we're talking about legends. And she passed on the school of the Levines and then I went to Nadia Reisenberg, whom I considered my very treasured teacher and very close to my heart. Now, she was the true Russian school, because now when they come and they say, this is the Russian school, I'm sorry. I lived and was trained by the true Russian school of the late 19th century and early 20th century. Nadia Reisenberg left Russia right before the revolution, 1917. And she was the teacher of the famous Nikolaev at the, um, the conservatoire in St. Petersburg. And she was classmates, you know with whom? Maria Yudina. And she came from the same village with a pianist that nobody knows, Vladimir Horovitz. <laughs> so you can see the great tradition, you know. And so uh, when I graduated, I had in my musical baggage I had all these schools, and it's not fair to say the best schools is the Russian school or this school or the other, no. The best school is to play the piano as a musician, and how do you do that? By putting your technique into the service of music, and now if you are taught by someone who is of the Russian school or of the German school, it doesn't really matter, because after you get all the knowledge, then one has to do their own journey. I liked the word you used before, musical journey. It's very important. The journey continues up to the very end. You yes. know, nobody says that, oh, okay, so I learned and I got my masters and PhDs and DMAs and I don't know what, and I played 50 concerts. No, I, the, the journey continues up to the last minute. Right, and the journey indeed continues and carried on by our students who've obviously benefited from your having 
been influenced by so many different uh, schools and styles and, and, and distilled through your own experience. It's a lifetime's work. Yes, indeed. And uh, for me, teaching is really very valuable. I wouldn't have played the piano as uh, I, I do nowadays had it not been for my students uh, in the sense that by explaining to them and trying to help them. But at the same time, you give them freedom to look for themselves. But for me, the greatest thing is to cultivate one's own musical ears. And you cannot do that by just listening to oneself. So I learned most from my own piano playing by explaining, by listening, by getting to know the repertoire, by researching different problems and trying to verbalize uh, the problems to the student. Because you can't, you know, you can't say, okay, darling, go back home and practice a lot. That doesn't mean anything. Of course they have to go back home and practice. But how do you do that? How do you practice? How do you solve problems? And it's not always the bigger names in the um, musical world. It doesn't necessarily mean that they can teach or explain. Not that they don't know, but number one, they may not have the time to do so. Number two, or maybe this should be number one, they don't want to. Why should I tell my secrets? I've heard people say that. Go and find out for yourself. But it's not possible because I see that uh, young people are very obliged and very grateful when they receive knowledge and you make their life a little easier because the life in the music world nowadays and always, especially nowadays, is a very difficult life for these young people. So to inspire them and to instill in them the love for music is um, something very important to me. Uh, I wonder if you could tell us a bit about your previous concerts. I, I, I'm fascinated by this barge music series. And you played not just one concert, but uh, I think it was two or three. Uh, yes, I'll tell you, barge music in New York is a very special and famous series. First of all, when I heard the name barge music, I didn't know, I thought it was a name of a man or something. <laughs> barge and music. And afterwards, somebody said barge means a boat, actually. Well, it's kind of a boat. And I thought, well, what are they talking about? You know, I'm playing on a boat. I played Queen Elizabeth uh, twice, going <laughs> back and forth through the Atlantic Ocean. But when I first went and saw, indeed, there was this Russian lady violinist who apparently wanted to offer to the community and she went there, she must have had some money and she bought this barge and she turned it with the help of friends and she herself put work and built it into a music hall. First of all, when I first arrived, I thought you're going to fall in the river, you know, it, it, it sways like this according to the currents of the Hudson River. And I thought, what, what is this? And then you enter this hall, it's like you enter a temple. It's beautiful, dark mahogany wood, beautiful tiles. And the end of this long hall is a stage and there is this fabulous Steinway concert grandee. And what do you think is behind? Well, 
you see Manhattan, you see the skyscrapers. It's magical, it's, it's mind-boggling. You know, it's, a, it's like a surrealistic painting. You walk into a barge and then there is one of the greatest cities or maybe the greatest city of the world. It's a very unique experience. And she wanted to give special attention to the Brooklyn community. Brooklyn is not the same like nowadays, you know, Brooklyn Bridge is uh, all the re re residences go up to two million overlooking the Hudson River. But when she did it, it was a rather under middle class community and she wanted people to come and listen to great concerts. Artists began to be very friendly with her and she would say, okay, would you like to come and give a concert? You're not going to be paid your regular fee, but you do this for me, for the community, for the idea. And that's how they started building this uh, tremendous reputation. And the music director today, Mark Peskanov, is a wonderful violinist who continues this tradition of the Russian lady who started it. It's a very established series. And when you say you play barge, then immediately people put you on a pedestal because everybody would like to play, but very few people are selected. So it was an extraordinary opportunity that my young nephew, who has been my student, performed last year there. And I came from Athens to support him and to listen to him. And the director said, oh, would you like to come and give us a concert next year? I said, yes. And then he invited us to give four concerts in a series of four days. That was a marathon. He never does it, two pianists. We started with three piano recitals, each one our own. My nephew played two and I played one. He spared me <laughs> playing, you know, every day a different program. And the last day we performed uh, forehand music. The audience loved it. And for us, it was a very big emotion being part of this, but I'll tell you something funny. When I first went, election day, we arrived at election day, and the next day when I had my rehearsals, it was the most incredible heavy storm in New York. So when I arrived to do my rehearsal, this boat was moving, I mean, it was swaying so hard, and it's very hard to concentrate and play while, you know, you move along. <laughs> Especially if the rhythm is not to the Especially, music. yes, exactly, exactly. But, but it was a great experience, yeah. Ms. Topilis, have you considered making recordings? Yes, I have, because now I can say that there are certain works that I would very much like to uh, record and bring out to the public, because it is not always very easy to perform and have the live performance so absolute perfect that it will go out for a recording. So yes, I would like to record if I find the right opportunity and the right conditions to work with a master technician who would work with me and uh, have a wonderful piano on my disposition. And I know exactly what I want to record. And certainly the, the recording of live performances, for example, the one that was made yesterday, I think they represent the best playing of uh, certainly the Hajitaki's piece, and it sounds almost like an edited studio recording. Thank you. Yes, I think as, uh, yesterday I was especially inspired, but your master technician will bring the final judgment, and if it's good, 
we should discuss it and do something about it into a commercial recording. Yes, that would be great. Because it's the first time that this piece is being performed in California, as I told you. So maybe this gives us food to, to think about and plan something. Because it came out so well, <laughs> I think. Yes. But you think also, so. <laughs> it, it was extraordinary. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, I take uh, Glenn Gould's attitude. Because on the concert stage, you're bound to have mistakes. You're bound to. But with a recording, you can still put your heart and you can make it wonderfully uh, alive. And yes, I, I would be very interested to make a few recordings, yes. Is there anything else you'd like to share about uh, your special musical journey? The most important thing for me is to communicate with the audiences because the love that you get from the audience is something that cannot be measured in money. Uh, love cannot be measured anyway. And so when I see people in the audience that come to me and tell me, or you gave me so much, you inspired me, or you made me want to study music or to become a better musician. I am elated. It goes very deep in my soul, and uh, it gives me a greater responsibility to practice and to rehearse and to be prepared as best as I can for any concert, whether there are 10 people in the audience attending or a full house. As a matter of fact, the more I grow up, both as a musician as in, in years, uh, I would feel the same nerves and the same responsibility and the same awe playing a concert, whether it is Carnegie Hall or whether it would be in a small hall with three people or ten people. Of course, if you have bigger audiences who come and applaud and they're very enthusiastic and they whistle and they say bravo, etc., well, for me, I love that. Uh, so each concert is a special experience. You see that uh, as you go by, you build up friends. I don't want to call them fans, but I want to call them friends, lifelong friends. Like, for example, now in Barge, you know, I hadn't played New York for years. So I return now after many years, and I feel very much at home. I had friends who came from as far as Boston and Connecticut, and you know how far this is. Actually, I had a telephone call this morning from a very dear friend of mine who took her daughter to listen to my concert on Friday. And she took the bus from Boston at two, and the bus driver did not come on time. And they missed the concert. They arrived at 8.39 o'clock. They missed the concert. And she paid a hotel for her and her daughter, and they came the next day to hear the recital. And then I saw a friend from my Juilliard days who came all the way from Boston. So it, it was very special. And now coming here to California and meeting my new friends, I'm so thrilled because, um, Dr. Chu, I have to say, and I hope I'm not going to embarrass you, but you are one of the most generously kind colleagues I have ever met. And I want to thank you with all my heart because, uh, I mean, your personality has inspired me very much as you have done to your students, young students. And certainly, for me, you are a very great example of what a colleague should be. And you are a very rare and extraordinary case. And I thank you with all my heart. Oh, <laughs> thank you so much for those kind words. I, uh, 
uh, we are also looking forward to more opportunities to hear you in the States. Uh, I know not only in New York, but in, uh, in our region. Um, Thank you. Well, I look much forward to, because if I had the opportunity to stay somewhere, I would certainly choose California. <laughs> well, first of all, because of the beauty of the nature. It's extraordinary. And then the beauty of the people. Certainly, Los Angeles is a very stimulating place to be. So much culture and then experimentation with new things happening not only in the strictly classical music, because I am very open to new ideas. Because music goes on, there are new musical waves, you have lots of new expressions, electronic music, experimental music. All of this is extraordinary. And it depends on the new composers who will appear to immerse all the styles. Because it's not like listening to a Beethoven sonata. Well, a Beethoven sonata remains a Beethoven sonata always. The great works of music, of the piano repertoire, it's like the Acropolis. The Acropolis is there, and it's always the Acropolis, ancient, new, contemporary, and forever. But at the same time, there are new things. Like in architecture, you have new buildings, you have new waves, you have new expressions. I only hope that the new expressions are not only to impress people and say, oh, you know, this is something new, but, but to also reach the soul. Well, thank you, Professor Topilas, for spending time uh, to speak with us this morning and for the past few days uh, to be in residency on our campus. And I wish, wish, we wish you the best in your next stops and, and a safe journey home back to Greece. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, I, for me, it was uh, two wonderful days that I spent here on campus with you and the students and uh, everybody I met um, has really touched very deeply my heart and I look much forward to seeing you again. Thank you so much. Likewise. All the best. Thank you. You've been listening to Notes from the Conservatory from the Bob Cole Conservatory of Music at California State University, Long Beach. Thanks for listening.